walking without skin, managing adversity with vulnerability. Well, after praying for a long time, I have a courage to walk away from it. If you have a positive mindset, if you don't give up hope, you can make it. Where can I find some protection? You are listening to Walking Without Skin, the show where we encourage our guests to be vulnerable, to share their voices with authenticity, to tell their stories from the heart. We will talk about hope and recovery, about overcoming loss, changes, challenges, and adversities. We will walk without skin. Here is your host, Lois Wagner. Hi, I am Lois, your friend for forgiveness and the creator of Walking Without Skin. I have a book with the same title, Walking Without Skin. Today, I have a remarkable woman with us and we'll be chatting to Sarah M, who is currently based in Florida. Sarah M is a survivor of a mass genocide in Cambodia. She's an inspirational speaker and an author of an award-winning book called How I Survived the Killing Fields. Sarah operates a wellness business called Smart Healthy Living. Hi, Sarah. Hi. Thank you Thank so you. much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Lois. Thank you. Before we get into what you do and your story, I'd like to ask you, what do you think of the term walking without skin? I have a hard time to come up with the meaning. In my mind, I'm thinking that become transparent. That's what I'm thinking. Be transparent. That's very good. Thank you. Yes, perfect. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, Sarah, you've now been living in the States for somewhere around 40 years. Yes. So it's a story of a, a long journey that you've been on that took you to the States. So would you like to share some of the, the experiences you had that led you to leave Cambodia? Sure, I am happy to. But I will uh, share a short version of my experience um, in Cambodia because it's, it's a sad situation, so um, I'm just making it brief. Basically, I grew up in the countryside. I'm a farmer's kid. My parents are operating and running our farmers, basically. And 
they love me very much and they love education. They inspired me to get higher education. So when I get a chance, as soon as I graduate from high school, I went to college. The college is far away from home. So when I left my home, when I went to college, and shortly after that, my country turned upside down. When the communist Khmer took over our country, they came in with a vengeance. They came in and uh, basically destroyed our life, destroyed our country. So I was, uh, and I'm in, in the camp, the, the work camp that they pushed us to work so hard and they gave us very little food to eat and uh, we got very little time to sleep. So we become exhausted and eventually become very sick. So I was so sick that they put me in the, in the hospital, but that hospital, there is no doctor or nurse to help me. So it's more like an infirmary when people are waiting to die. So I, I pray to God to help me because if I stay there, I will end up dead. So God helped me to get out from there. So how did you get out? Well, after praying for a long time, I have a courage to walk away from it. I don't know what I'm going to do because I cannot work. I was so sick. So when I walked out, one team leader at the work camp saw me and she took me in and she said, you, you stay in my group and I'll try to find you something to do. But shortly after she saw me, she realized I'm too sick to do anything. So she sent me to work in the kitchen. That's how I survived. Because when you get to work in the kitchen, you are not under the heat 100 degree all day long. And I get more food and I get more time to sleep. So I became a little bit healthier. I gained more energy and my disease was kind of shut away a little bit. So eventually I get much better. So that's how I survived from that one incident. And then they put me back into the work camp again. So harsh, harsh right feel. For long, for four years. And then eventually, God gave me a courage to escape. So I gathered three close friends to escape with me. That escape is very dangerous, but I'm sure God helped us because we were safe. We, we, we get out, we made it out from the captivity. So we were free since then. So, but how did you get away? I mean, did you just walk out? What did you do? Well, we wait until nighttime. And that time they moved the camp to the jungle, deep into the jungle. So it's pretty dark at nighttime because jungle, there is no light. So when it's dark, it's extremely dark. So we wait until that, that nighttime and we sneak out. And there were God that they, God, they, they look around, but they did not see us. 
That's how we get out. Now, how long did you walk for? Let's see. Get out from that groom is only one night. And then from there, I tracked down the direction to go to my hometown. So that's probably about a month of walking. Wow. Walking, yeah, walking on foot. Um, wow. Did you have shoes? Did you have food? I mean, how did you I have? I don't have shoes. Walk barefoot. And the food, I carry a little bit of rice and we have a little a small can. So we make food out of that little can. So we eat very little. But when we know that we are going to the right direction, we can endure that. We endure that hard time, but eventually that hard time paid off. And you reached your home? I reached my home, but when I get to, to my home, the home was destroyed. So I asked around, nobody know where my family went. So I went to the hospital. I, I know that I have my aunt, long time ago, my aunt was the nurse. So I just think maybe if I go to the hospital, maybe I can find my aunt. So when I get to the hospital, yeah, she worked there. I found my aunt and she told me where my family moved to. So that's how I tracked down my family. And everybody was fine. They hadn't been put into work. Everybody was fine. But my brother worked as hard as I did. I had three younger brothers. Two of them had to, they, they was pulled away from the family and put in the work camp, just like I did. But my youngest brother was too little to, to do anything. So they left him at home with my mom. So he was like a caregiver for my mom because my mom was not doing well. She had a stroke during those times. My baby brother stayed with my mom and my dad. And he's the one who helped out my mom because during the whole time my mom had a stroke. So he, he was a big help to my mom. And where is all your family today? My family, most of them are here in the United States, except my dad. My, my dad, um, he just didn't feel comfortable to go to the new country without speaking any English. So he just decided to stay behind. But all my, bro my three brothers are here. My mom took all of them here. Um, it, it's a long journey, but they all came through. I wanted them to come. My mom lived with me for 13 years before she passed on. She, she passed on seven, eight years ago. Okay. And uh, where did you learn English? I started to learn a little bit in the camp when I escaped from Cambodia. I went in, uh, to Thailand in the refugee camp. And there was a, an English class. I started to learn a little bit while waiting for me to come to the state. So I learned a little bit, just enough to understand a little, 
and not enough to carry a conversation. But when I got to the state, I hurry up to go to the English class and I learn very fast. <laughs> well, you speak very good English now. So just going back, if you could say what was the worst experience you had during those terrible years? What was the worst experience? Being separated from my loving family and got to put to work too hard. And how did you manage emotionally to handle that situation, being so far away from your family? I hold on my love for my family. I have in my heart. And that separation from my family is also so as a blessing as well, because that is my motivation. It helped me to endure. No matter how bad the struggle was, I endured and I want to be with my family. So I have a clear goal. My goal was to go back home to reunite with them. That's fantastic to be able to hold on to, on to those kind of emotions, hold on to your family and the connection that you have with your family. And were there times that you were afraid that you might, worse might happen to you? I was afraid at the beginning. And then I just feel I have faith. For some reason, I believe that something better is going to happen. I did not give up hope. I did not feel that I'm going to die. I didn't feel that way. I'm going to live. I'm going to survive. So that's my mindset. I'm going to survive. I'm, I'm not thinking about dying. At one point, I was so sick that people warned me not to, not to take a nap, no matter how tired I am. Because many people, when they took a nap during the day, they were too exhausted to wake up. So they die during that nap. So my friend loved me enough to tell me, Whatever you do, don't take a nap. Don't, don't fall asleep. So You must have been exhausted. It's extremely exhausted. Uh, I, oh. yeah, it, the sickness, I had multiple sickness in one time. Sure. So what encouraged you to share your story? What encouraged me to share my story is the number one is to help people to never give up hope because um, I'm sharing my story because it's almost unbelievable that people can survive in this situation and doing that hardship for four years. It's unbelievable, but I proved it. If you have a positive mindset, if you don't give up hope, you can make it. You can make it. No matter what situation, never give up hope. So that's my number one. Number two is that we have to have uh, a purpose. A purpose and also love. Love and purpose. 
it's all together because when you have love in your heart, it's now you you are not going to be too negative because people that have love they enjoy it. They they expect something better. They are more positive. So I feel like because of my positive attitude, I'm not giving in. I'm not a victim. I I will win. I will. I will survive. <laughs> well, you certainly did survive and you've more than survived, you've thrived. Thank you. So what, what inspires you in life? What inspired me is to, um, is to, to spread love to each other, to help each other, to inspire each other to be the best possible person they are because a lot of people they they don't become the best they can be they are not resilient enough to get up and keep moving so I want to inspire people to be resilient to be ready because we can always and more, we can always build up our resiliency. Resiliency, it's not like ATM. It's not like you wait until something happens, you build resilient. No, we have to build our own resiliency long before anything happens. Because if we have a strong resilience, you can bounce back. So how do you build your resilience? What gave you resilience? There's so many ways that we add on to our positive resiliency. But for me, it's my love, love for my family, positive mindset. You think positively, you have faith. When I have faith, that means I am not hopeless. When I have faith, I have hope. So it's all together, hope, faith, and love. Those are the three very powerful force that help us. Hope, faith, and love. Wonderful to have those. You also mentioned uh, strength and confidence. Yes, yes. Confident, well, all the, the core value that we have help us to build up our confidence. Love and hope and faith help us to build our self-confidence. And there are other kinds of confidence. When people have skill that they really enjoy, they are good at it, that they have confidence in that area. But to be confident in the whole, in your wholeness, spirit, mind, and body, that is something very important. We all need to strive to build our own self-confidence. That's fantastic to be able to have that self-confidence, but many people don't have that. So how can we help people develop their self-confidence? We can help them to first start with being positive. To be positive, you have to find something to be grateful for. When you are grateful, 
when you are thankful of what what you have you you cannot be negative you will be positive so we can start with being a positive person <laughs> eliminate the negativity from our life so that's the first step to to build our confidence and have you been able to forgive the Rouge for what they did yes i did i forgive them long time ago because um, if i did not forgive them i hold on to that bitterness that anger that resentment in my body in my mind in my heart it's not healthy for me and it's not good and i cannot do anything about it anyway so i believe that forgiveness is also a good step to build confidence Totally. And people don't understand that forgiveness is not saying that what the other person or people did is okay. Right. It, it doesn't mean that the damage did not exist, that they did not do anything wrong. No, they did something wrong to us. But we forgive so that 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 wrong, that wrongdoing doesn't come back and haunt us all the time. It's separation between the wrongness and us. I like the way you express that. It's separating you from the incident or the people or the situation. So it sets you free, basically, from that situation. Yes, yes. Well, now, tell me, Sarah, do you have a community of Cambodians that you work with, uh, or are you just with local Americans? Well, there, uh, there are a lot of Cambodian people that live in my area, but a lot of people in my age, around my age, a lot a few years younger, people that experience the hardship in the killing field, they don't want to be reminded of that story. Me too, uh, at the beginning, I just don't want to tell anybody about that. I just want to hide it, hide it. It's already done. But I feel like if I hide it under the rug, it doesn't do any good. I want to use it to learn, uh, to use and, and to share the lesson that I learned from it to other people. So to answer your question, I have some connection with the Cambodian community, but more of my day-to-day, -day, I have more connection with American people. And how do you help people overcome the, their fears and their anxieties? What do you do? Well, I have my book. The book that I wrote is basically outlined my story. This is a book. It's called How I Survived the Killing Fields. And in that book, I describe... Just hold, up the book. Just hold the book up again. How I Survived the Killing Fields. Lovely. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. So in that book, I... Um, I tell my story and then at the end, I tell the lesson that I learned from it. So I hope that it will help them because uh, 
my book, my story inspired them. And I have a lot of lessons that I share. And all the way that I help people is by speaking. I, I share my story in a speaking way. So you say you've got a number of lessons. Can you share one of your lessons here? One of the big lessons that I, um, I like to share is this. Take away the negativity from your thinking, from your thought. If you have one negative thought, it will keep creeping up. It will multiply. It will clog up <laughs> your, your thinking. So there is no use to keep that negative thought in your mind. You have to clear that out. I explain in my book, say that our thought, our thinking, is like a garden. There are so beautiful flowers and plants and vegetables in the garden. But there are weeds. There are some bad things that grow along with it. Those bad things are negative thoughts. So if you don't pull out the, the negative thought from your mind, your garden will be filled with all the bad stuff and it will taking all the space from your plant, from your garden, from your herbs and vegetables. So that's why it's so important to watch out. Don't let that negativity sneak in and occupy your mind. It's easier said than done. Yes, yes, I know. I am I'm exercising mental diet. <laughs> it's just like a physical diet, but mental diet, it's very hard. It's not easy. But if we are aware of it, then we know, oh, okay, that thing creep in. I need to take care of that. And how do we take care of that? Sometimes some bad thing happened to us. And we keep thinking about that bad thing. But in any bad thing, you can always find something good in that situation. One quick example. I had an accident, a car accident about two or three years ago. And I thought about that. I think I get so upset with myself because I did not hit my brake quick enough. And then I rode my car. My car was just totally damaged and there's no use. And, and my insurance went up so high and I get upset with myself. That's a lot of negative thought coming in from that one accident. And then I realized, oh my goodness, how grateful I am that I am safe, I'm healthy. I'm not even get any hit any on my body, but my poor car was destroyed. And just that quick example. So that's how we take care of the negative thought. We can always find something positive about any situation. Yep, learning from our mistakes. Uh, 
Sarah, if you could have a billboard on the side of the road and put anything on it, what would you put on the billboard? That's a good question. There's so many messages I want to put on the billboard. Well, you can um, have two billboards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be kind. Be kind to each other. Mm-hmm. Love love one another because what happened in the killing field it happened because those people are not kind to us they did was not kind they did not love us they came in with anger and resentment and and anger so be kind (laughs) love and have faith Place is very important. Well, I love that. So it was a lack of kindness that caused the problems in Cambodia. And it was the love of your family that helped you survive. Yes. And and obviously the faith as well. That'll make a fantastic billboard. Yeah. And the biggest billboard of all is hope. (laughs) okay yeah sure well i think you are remarkable to have survived that it must have been hell on your mental your mental health and your mental strength day in and day out to be working under such cruel conditions and that whole story as as i mentioned to you i have visited cambodia and i've met remarkable people wonderful people And it's just so sad that politics and a few unkind people created such a mess in such a beautiful country. Yeah. And have you gone back to Cambodia? Yes, I went back once in 2015 when I first published my book. I want to bring my book to my dad. But uh, because the book is in English, and my dad cannot read it. So he's kind of lost interest, but he's so proud of me. (laughs) (laughs) So how old is your dad now? He's, I think he's 90. Okay. And how did you find the country when you went back? How How did you feel when you went back? It feel... I have a mixed feeling. In in one way, I feel like countries keep moving on. There's a lot of young people um, growing up. But on the other side is that uh, during that war, the communists, they kill a lot of intellect, a lot of um, educated people. So our country pretty much in need of um, higher education, in need of uh, educated uh, citizens. But I think um, with the support from the neighbor, from the um, foreign country that come in and help out the country, it, it helped to grow normally. But no, we are so behind. We, we this, this war, pull everything back so many years 
decades, if not years, decades. It will take a long time to rebuild. That is so sad that this, these things can happen. Now, uh, Sarah, I'm, I've got a project called Be Brave, and the project is based on sexual stopping sexual harassment and bullying and violence. If I say to you, be brave in that context, what does brave mean to you? Brave to me mean, don't be afraid, stand up for what is not right. If, if somebody bully you, you have to stand up. Don't let them continue bullying you. And uh, mm, get help. <laughs> so um, support each other. If you know somebody that is being bullied or being uh, assaulted, being abused, we have to help out. Especially in as the community, we need to have the support group to help to eliminate that kind of activities. Because like coming from my, my experience, my background, that when we, the whole country was being bullied by this uh, cruel government, nobody helped us. We was left alone in the big hole. I felt like I fell into the big hole and nobody know that we were in that hole because that's how dark that was. And do you hold any resentment today still for that? No, no, I'm, I'm not resentful. But um, I remember at one time, long time ago, that's how I felt during that, during that time. Mm -hmm. Well, it's remarkable what you have done and many other people who've managed to survive and to create a great life afterwards because you can learn from your experiences and you can give back and you are definitely giving back and you are helping so many people. So in closing, what is the last message you would like to give to people who are suffering, people who are going through hardships, people who are, have, have fear and anxiety? I would like to say that um, never give up. Hold on to your hope and have a vision. What is your vision? What do you like to see at the end of the tunnel? Uh, for me, it was the love for my family. I was dreaming to be reunited with my family. That helped me from give up that hope. So for you, hold on to your hope, whatever that is that you are striving for and have faith. Believe that it's going to happen. Believe something will be better than your current situation. So hold on to your love, your hope, and your faith. Believe, believe in a better future. So thank you, Sarah, so much for sharing your journey with us today. And I would like to invite all of our listeners to fly free. Thank you for listening to Walking Without Skin. 
We would love your feedback, opinions, suggestions, and ratings. Please share this podcast far and wide to encourage more people to share their stories with vulnerability and authenticity. I